0: Goal from the near side circle and the Wolverine take a 1-0 lead off the rocket off the stick of Jeff Campbell. Listening to your home for Michigan Athletics, 88.3 WCBN FM Ann Arbor, located on the web at WCBN.org. 15 seconds remain. Hunwick has it forward to Tambellini. Tambellini he'll shoot, save there, and the rebound comes to Hunwick. Six seconds remain. Tambellini shoots and scores. It comes- Hi, this is Maggie Estep, and I'm doing a legal station ID. I'm not sure what's legal about it, but so here it goes. You're listening to um, WCBN-FM Ann Arbor, legally. I'm not a normal girl. I'm an angry, sweaty girl, so bite me. Oh, but I think that's supposed to be a good specialty, so I should be happy, right? I should count my blessings. Anyway, the point of all this is you're listening to WCBN, okay? Well, so much for angry, sweaty girls. Welcome to another edition of Gray Matters, the weekly news and media talk show. My name is Dick Whaley. Uh, My partner, Jim Dwyer, uh, has the night off tonight. He's got school school obligations, so he'll be back next week. And uh, by then, Easter will be uh, near. And spring, actually, may be here as well. (laughs) Finally, we get a little turn in the weather here in Ann Arbor, and I predicted that Easter would be, or uh, spring would be here by Christmas. Looks like it might be here by Easter. In any event, I wanted to congratulate the University of Minnesota at Duluth for winning the national championship. I understand they're opening up a school of ice diving. Key to the uh, program is uh, dye your hair blonde, and learn how to do the breaststroke on ice. You don't need a body of water to do this. You just need to be on ice hockey skates and dive and dive and dive. Uh, Don't mean to sound like sour grapes, but national championship games should be determined by the players on the ice, not the referees. (laughs) And there were just way too many phony calls in that championship game. I I didn't see the third period, but... uh, officiating was ridiculous and uh, I think the stats bear it out and of course uh, when anytime a game goes into overtime like that sometimes anything can happen and uh, Michigan wasn't supposed to win the national championship but uh, I think it's unfortunate that the officials (laughs) took the uh, the game out of uh, into their hands and took it away from the players and uh, that's, a, that's not to say that Minnesota-Duluth didn't play well at times. They had some fire. It was a very competitive, spirited kind of game. But uh, let the players determine the outcome, not power plays of the cheap variety, and there were too many of those. In any event, uh, Kabuki Theater back, uh, back in uh, Washington, D.C., regarding the budget, uh, Paul Ryan who uh, strikes me as kind of a cross between uh, Eddie Munster and uh, Leave It to Beaver. He's got that sort of earnest Boy Scout appearance on TV, but he's got this very evil-looking widow's peak. <laughs> and uh, he looks a little bit like Eddie Munster, too, which uh, means that he's up to mischief, I would say. Uh, I'm not fooled by Paul Ryan uh, or his budget proposal, Um The long and the short of it is he's basically going after Medicare and Medicaid. Um, These are programs that obviously need some reform, but uh, turning Medicare into a uh, quote unquote voucher system, as he's proposing, is completely fraudulent. And I wanted to also point out the bigger fraud that's being perpetrated by uh, Paul Ryan, who. You know, he's a mainstream Republican in the sense that he didn't come in on the Tea Party wave, but the Tea Party and the media seem to be sort of uh, promulgating him into this leadership role. Uh, What we hear over and over is that the Paul Ryan proposal is serious. It's a serious proposal. Uh, We should look at it. It puts things on the table and uh, this latest uh, uh, kabuki theater in Washington regarding the budget, I think uh, the media, as usual, is more interested in the, in the show, the sideshow, the show business, it's all about show business, and not the substance of why we're where we're at. And needless to say, Paul Ryan's proposed cuts don't uh, do anything about that either. We have these massive debts uh, because of the irresponsible fiscal policies of the Republican Party. Uh, Ronald Reagan came into power, and while I don't have the exact quote in front of me, he said, I want to repeal, I don't want to repeal the New Deal, I want to repeal the Great Society. And the Great Society, of course, was the Lyndon Johnson Medicare-Medicaid Legislation, in addition to the civil rights uh, stuff that he did on the domestic side. These were the two uh, legacies of Linston, Lyndon Johnson on the domestic side that I think were progressive. Now, Lyndon Johnson's presidency got mired with the lies uh, of Vietnam, the delusions of Vietnam, the costs of the Vietnam War. And by the way, we're still paying for the Vietnam War. As we speak, I was looking at the recent... Uh, Veterans' budget, it uh, according to an expert, and I am quoting here from a really fine recent article by Robert Dreyfus in the f- April eleventh edition of the Nation magazine, which came out a couple weeks ago. I heard uh, today, <laughs> early this morning, that uh, some experts uh, have determined that April eleventh of nineteen fifty four was the most uneventful day of the 20th century. this, uh, According to historians, nothing happened on this day. Nothing monumental. So we're uh, celebrating that anniversary today. <laughs> many, many years later. So I'm always going to be amused by that uh, factoid that uh, April 11th of 1954 was the most uneventful day of the 20th century. I don't know what happened on that day. Something I'm sure did happen, but apparently nothing eventful. Uh, today, of course, uh, there were some uh, uh, interesting events. We had Lauren Bagbo, uh, the besieged, beleaguered president, quote unquote, and I use that in quotes, of uh, Ivory Coast, Quate uh finally apparently surrendering in uh, the capital of. Uh, the Ivory Coast. Uh, He, of course, was defeated in a presidential election many, many months ago, but refused to step down. There was a sort of uh, civil war of sorts uh, in the Ivory Coast. And quite interestingly, the French, who seem to be leading the charge with respect to the Libyan intervention, are also involved in this intervention. Uh, There are many new articles about the muscular foreign policy ideas of Sarkozy, um, and Sarkozy, not to be confused with Kaiser Suzy, um, is, uh, you know, struggling in uh, France in the in the in the uh, in, in the popularity uh, polls. Merkel in Germany is struggling. Uh, these, of course, are two conservative leaders. Merkel, uh, Chancellor Merkel of Germany a couple of weeks ago, suffered some very, very uh, devastating uh, local elections. Uh, in fact, in one of the districts, it's quite fascinating that the Greens got around 22, 23 percent of the vote, a substantial increase uh, from previous uh, results, and they have uh, taken over in a, in a region there. We'll talk more about German elections at, at uh, some other point because I don't have the facts in front of me what particular district it was. But the interesting thing about the German elections, uh, the local elections in which Merkel suffered these defeats, uh, was essentially that uh, Germany had a referendum on nuclear policy uh, in response, of course, in the aftermath of the devastating events of uh, that occurred in Japan uh, 30 uh, days ago. Today was the one-month anniversary a moment of silence was uh, was held in Japan today for the earthquake tsunami, and I understand there was also a reasonably decent-sized aftershock today. But getting back to the uh, budget and this uh, fine article in the uh, April 11th edition of the Nation magazine by Robert Dreyfus, uh, a contributing editor, I wanted to point out where the real cuts need to be... Uh, taking place, and where they're not, and where the Republican Party is nowhere to be found. They have uh, unwisely, in my opinion, exposed the fraud of their budget cutting by not putting the Pentagon, really, uh, on the budget cutting table. Now, there are, of course, other proposals out there which do this, but Robert Dreyfus's article notes that Winslow Wheeler, director of the Strauss Military Reform Project at the Liberal Center for Defense Information has come out with a new book called The Pentagon Labyrinth, in which he details uh, the actual spending of the military. According to the figures by Wheeler, and I'm quoting from Dreyfus here, compiled for The Pentagon Labyrinth, the military base budget of $540 billion in 2011 is just the starting point for calculating military dollars. Adding in war spending, 159 billion, that's Afghanistan and Iraq, homeland defense 44 billion, veterans affairs, and get this one, 122 billion dollars, interest on the defense related debt, 48 billion, and other items pushes the total to more than a trillion dollars. Now, I looked up in the World Almanac where our veterans budget was less, uh, you know, 11 years ago uh, before uh, George Bush took power. And it was about (laughs) twenty two billion dollars. This is a massive increase. This is almost three times the so-called savings that they found in this budget resolution. And it occurred to me when I watched John Boehner, who, uh, you know, I don't know how long he's going to live the way he looks. Um, He's known to be a bit of a a boozer and a heavy smoker, chain smoker, uh, supposedly. And he has this incredibly pained look on his face every time he appears before cameras because he knows that his uh, caucus, which consists of teabaggers, Hosebaggers and mainstream Republicans is a di- very uh, is a very divided unit, and he's having trouble keeping the troops in line, as they say. And when he came out with this press conference on Friday night, I was just about speaking of booze on my on my way to the bar. I watched the uh, the drama of the uh, the so-called agreement, and Boehner came out and said, "I've." We've got a bridge to next week's budget uh, resolution. And it occurred to me, I thought, well, Bill Clinton gave us the bridge to the 21st century. Ted Stevens, a uh, recently deceased senator from Alaska, uh, Senator Pork, gave us the bridge to nowhere. Uh, he died in a plane crash uh, last year. And John Boehner is giving us a bridge to a continuing resolution. <laughs> and I thought, wow. How the mighty have fallen. Bill Clinton's bridge to the 21st century, of course, was a, uh, at least a putative uh, vision of the future. Ted Stevens' bridge to nowhere, of course, was a uh, federal pork barrel spending project in which Ted Stevens very effectively brought home the bacon for Alaska. Just for the record, folks, Alaska gets more federal money per capita than any state in the union, so uh, don't be fooled by Sarah Palin and that pioneer spirit that she uh, promoted so uh, ridiculously on her uh, reality television show a couple of months ago. (laughs) Alaskans are not rugged pioneers, they're addicted to pork, some of it are the worst kind. And needless to say, this Pentagon uh, budget is where we really need to focus on the real cuts. That's how we'll get somewhere. As for the debt, that uh, we're now going to have a, quote, real battle over the debt ceiling. That's the new uh, media catchword of the, of the next couple of weeks. A very interesting article in yesterday's New York Times by Jackie Colms shows the facts Shows how we got where we're at. Shows that when Ronald Reagan uh, came into power, America basically had a debt ceiling level of a trillion dollars. And that of the uh, $13.5 trillion uh, that was uh, basically uh, the uh, debt ceiling at the end of the last fiscal year, uh, and it needs to be raised again, about $4 trillion of this dollars is money owed to Social Security. <laughs> now, I, I bring this up because uh, we've been told repeatedly by uh, the Republican Party that Social Security is insolvent and we need to make serious reforms. Social Security is not in serious trouble. Medicare and Medicaid, now that's a different story. But Social Security is not. Social Security can be tweaked with very minor uh, reforms. Uh, we can raise uh, the uh, the income in which social security the, the limit on which uh, social security um, is taxed. Uh, for instance, uh, we have uh, new data out just today about corporate CEO pay and uh, the uh, the highest paid corporate CEO man. Uh, forget the company that he was running not not a real big name, but. Guy was paid $84 million last year (laughs) to run a kind of minor American corporation that's in compensation. Uh, We'll we'll have his name next week uh, because, you know, this this continuing uh, disproportionate distribution of wealth in America is at the heart of some of the structural problems of the American economy. Uh, Workers are not getting pay raises, uh, gas prices and oil and uh, food prices continued to go up, uh, and there actually was some good news today. Uh, the African Union uh, sort of orchestrated a ceasefire proposal that Gaddafi's agreed to, but quite interestingly, the rebels, who we know very little about, apparently have not agreed to it because their starting point for negotiations is that Gaddafi must go. And uh, that doesn't seem to be terribly likely. In other words, Gaddafi may go, but he's not going to go the way of Bagbo unless the rebels uh, get into Tripoli uh, on the ground. And uh, the United States is probably going to stay out of that one uh, because we have so many other military obligations at the moment, so many obligations that we haven't paid for. Because quite interestingly in this chart that shows how we got where we got, um, about $3 trillion of the uh, debt is from policies before 2000, the fiscal year before George Bush took over. Um, Roughly another $3 trillion of the national debt uh, were major Bush-era policies, including tax cuts. Medicare prescription drug benefits, and the wars in Iraq and Afghanistan, which were never paid for. Where was the Tea Party during the wars in Iraq and Afghanistan talking about this debt problem? Uh, Nowhere to be found. Uh, In fact, we continue to hear the repeated discredited economic policies of Ronald Reagan being parroted every day by the leaders of the Republican Party. We can't raise taxes because taxes create jobs and will damage the American economy. Uh, well, yes and no. Uh, I've always said it depends what the taxes are on and what they're for. Uh, you, you can come up with all kinds of uh, tax policies that actually benefit society. You know, the general theory of, of economics is that we tax things that aren't good for us. Uh, If we raise the gas tax, for instance, which has not been raised in 18 years, uh, we presumably raise the cost of gasoline for the consumer, and they drive less. Uh, We've seen this in the last uh, month with the Mideast unrest, the problems in Japan. Worldwide global oil demand has gone down, and yet uh, we continue to have oil speculation, and oil prices have gone way up. Well, the good news today out of Libya essentially was that Qaddafi uh, is, is willing to negotiate a deal. And believe it or not, oil prices went down almost $4 a barrel, probably the first day that's happened in quite some time. Now, there's still $109 a barrel, and I don't think this is going to have much uh, effect on the pump uh, down there around the corner. Um, gas prices have gone up quite a bit. But as I pointed out just a couple weeks ago, even a 50 cent increase in the cost of gas means that your gas bill, if you drive about 200 miles a week and your car gets about 20 miles to the gallon, is uh, a uh, increase out of your wallet of about five dollars. Any discussions out there, any real discussions out there in this body politic in America about raising gas taxes? Of course not. Uh, That's considered toxic. That's considered um, to be a third rail, if not a first rail. Um, No politician, because uh, as uh, H.L. Mencken once said, the only way you look at a politician is down, down at a politician, because politicians are rarely courageous, rarely honest. There are good ones. Uh, but uh, why not uh, come up with some uh, good, honest uh, proposals to cut government spending? The Robert Dreyfus article in The Nation magazine, for instance, notes that in uh, uh, the, the summer of last year, uh, Representatives Barney Frank, liberal from Massachusetts, and Ron Paul, frequent presidential candidate, uh, several times uh, running under the Libertarian Party uh, banner outlined a plan, and I'm quoting from Dreyfus here, to cut $960 billion between 2011 and 2020, including cuts in the nuclear arsenal, troop deployments in Europe and Asia, the size of the Navy, and a wide range of costly weapons systems and reforms in military pay scales and the Pentagon's health care system. Even the Libertarian Cato Institute published a budgetary savings uh, for military restraint that outlined $1.2 trillion of cuts over 10 years, including a one-third reduction in the troop strength of the Army and the Marines. Barack Obama, of course, missed a little bit of an opportunity here. And, yeah, he apparently is going to have his own plan out in the, in the public uh, later this week at some sort of quasi-campaign speech event. I don't know where this is occurring, but he's been criticized for not being serious about uh, getting spending under control. Well, I think he, he missed an opportunity uh, last week yeah, when we were dealing with brinkmanship, And it occurs to me that the uh, Detroit Tigers used to have a a shortstop named Eddie Brinkman, whose nickname was Turkey Neck. And, of course, Brinkmanship, of course, refers to nuclear uh, policy dating back to the Cold War. And uh, this was basically a a thing between the United States and, and the Soviet Union in which the leaders created a crisis that led to, you know, the pinnacle of tension, and that was called brinkmanship. And uh, I always kind of preferred the, the, the slick-fielding, poor-hitting shortstop of the Detroit, Detroit, Detroit Tigers named Eddie Brinkman who I believe actually got hurt in the 68 World Series, and it was Mickey Stanley that had to come to the rescue, and they moved him, and blah, blah, blah. The Tigers won the World Series. Yay. But B- Obama should have said, okay, these $38 billion of cuts that we want to uh, debate, um, I'll solve that with the snap of my finger. The troops are coming home from Iraq next week. I would have saved a lot of money. Instead, we had Robert Gates... Um, basically uh, on his sort of last whirlwind tour as Secretary of Defense. And Gates, by the way, has actually come up with some serious budget cuts of his own. Uh, they're not adequate. They're not enough. But what's interesting about Robert Gates is he was an opponent of Libya, Libyan military intervention, and comes across in the most recent book that I read about uh the Afghan escalation under Barack Obama, the Bob Woodward book called Obama's Wars. He actually comes across as the the dove in the room, along with Joe Biden. The Hawks, of course, were the military themselves. And this is an interesting sort of behind-the-scenes look at the policy uh, disputes and debates that occurred in the uh, long six-month decision that Barack Obama took uh, in 29 regarding the Afghan escalation kind of an inside baseball sort of book, but very revealing uh, regarding the personalities and whatnot. Um, Gates uh, was in Iraq and made the very odd statement that I don't have right in front of me, but he said, we'd be willing to stay in Iraq if the Iraqi government invites us to stay. And I'm like, well, why even propose something so crazy? Why are we allowing the Iraq government, which is very disorganized, very divided, uh, very weak, very ineffective? Uh, it's, it, I mean, they were in a sort of a coalition negotiation for about nine months last year. Why, why invite them to determine whether or not we're staying or not? We should be leaving. <laughs> we should say, this is our opportunity to get out. Very peculiar stuff. And uh, Obama, I think, should have uh, seized the moment and said, well, I'll I'll give you $38 billion of uh, of cuts. We'll uh, get out of Iraq next week. Now, the Paul Ryan proposal, of course, I don't regard as serious, because what sacrifices does he ask of uh, those over 55? None. Zero. Zilch. They're supposed to get everything they've ever been promised and bargained for. But I find that rather puzzling and rather troubling. They're the ones that got us into this crisis. They're the ones that voted for Ronald Reagan twice. They're the ones that voted for George Bush twice. The most recent polling data from the last two elections shows that the, the people most likely to vote Republican are white people over 60. And yet they're the ones screaming on television about our children and why we have to make these cuts. Why don't they start with themselves? So Paul Ryan's proposal isn't serious. It's not uh, politically serious. He's protecting the people that vote Republican and expecting the people that vote Democrat or don't vote at all to take, bear the brunt of the cuts. By the way, I have no sympathy for people that don't vote at all uh, getting some of the budget cuts because didn't vote. What are you complaining about? Katha Pollack, uh, in a recent uh, editorial In the Nation magazine, she's a liberal uh, uh, person that focuses on women's issues. And, of course, we saw that this brinkmanship over the past couple of weeks came down to Planned Parenthood. And this little phony punk named James O'Keefe, the pimp man, concocted a video, tried to to out the Planned Parenthood organization over some abortion nonsense— and it occurred to me, well, why don't we cut uh, federal spending for prostate cancer research? Why don't we just why don't we go after the men for a change rather than the women? Uh, but in the Republican caucus, uh, they frequently ask, "Are there any women in the crowd?" And of course, there aren't very many, and the ones that are there don't seem to be standing up for women's rights because then they try and link Planned Parenthood to the abortion debate that they're so obsessed with and then it comes down to the facts the federal government gives Planned Parenthood about 300 million dollars and that money goes for uh breast cancer uh, testing and pap smears and women's health issues quote you know it's it's labeled reproductive health issues but it's basically women's health care that they're going after 300 million dollars oh that's I don't know, the last time I checked, that's about 12 hours of military spending in Iraq and Afghanistan, keeping the troops there, keeping America safe. Gosh, you never know when the Taliban is going to show up uh, in uh, Dearborn on a camel, on a donkey. I, I, I don't know how they get here, but uh, they're not a military threat to the United States. That argument is as phony as baloney. But Katha Pollock notes that, that Head Start... And child care which are um, being uh, considered for cuts uh, in the uh, continuing resolution, the, the the bridge to the continuing resolution, so they're still under discussion. By the way, for fiscal year 2011, proposed by the House, proposed by uh, the Tea Party, the Host Baggers, uh, the Republican Party, acts as uh, 368,000 of them, tens of thousands of jobs for teachers. This is Head Start and child care. These are being targeted by the Republic, Republican Party. We need to save money here on Head Start and child care. Um, there are 368,000 of them, tens of thousands of jobs and teacher's aides. Almost all female lose their jobs, and so do many of the mothers that rely on them. Those are the priorities of the Republican Party. Go after, you know, we'll leave aside the, the uh, you know, where the other cuts are occurring. But that's, you know, Head Start has always been one of their, that's where they start. They, the Head Start's at the start of, of what they want to cut. Head Start, of course, is a early education program uh, for children, uh, poor children, that uh, has actually very effectively um, done its job over the years. Study after study shows that it works actually cost effective government spending. But this is the kind of...